It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. John Wooden once said, There are many things that are essential to arriving at true peace of mind, and one of the most important is faith, which cannot be acquired without prayer. Good morning, everyone. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary, and this is not the way we typically start a program, <laughs> but hey. It sounds good now. We're here. We're on. Welcome. Uh, we are looking at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue. Always done in a politically free zone. Folks, thanks for joining us today. Bet you we had you worried there, didn't we? Like, where are they? <laughs> this is the call-in format. We are caller-friendly. So, Jonathan, let's get started. What is it that we are talking about on this fine, little bit of a wet Sunday morning? Well, Rick, our question for this morning is, what should we be praying for? And our theme text is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to the Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Prayer. That's what we're talking about this morning. Lots and lots of people pray. And we pray for all kinds of things from wanting more material things in our lives to wanting to be healed from disease or injury to wanting bad experiences to end. While we also pray for God's will to be done, it seems as though the focus of most of our prayers is about, well, it's all about me. What I feel, what I want, and what I prefer. Think about it. Prayer is supposed to be spiritual access to the God of all things. And in that access, all we can focus on is me? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. That's not good. Well, you got to think about that. It's like, wait a minute. There's something that the equation doesn't seem to, to, to fit quite right here. So, how is prayer supposed to work? Are there guidelines or rules for how we should pray? Are there do's and don'ts for what we should be praying for? Is prayer an open and easily accessible tool for anyone who wants to talk to God? Or is it more of a privilege for those who are seeking God's will? So, Jonathan, it's about prayer this morning. How does prayer work? Who can pray? What should we be praying for? Uh, this is an, an enormous topic. It is. And we're only going to cover, just scratch the surface, really. We're only co- going to cover uh, certain specific areas. It, bottom line is this. Prayer can be a tool of life. It has been used in that way in numerous cultures for thousands of years. Our focus today, though, is going to be on Judeo-Christian prayer and how it is laid out for us to freely use in, in Scripture. To begin... To begin with, let's do this. Let's go to somebody who once believed in God, once believed in prayer, and then walked away from all of that. So we're going to listen to a soundbite from uh, a young man. It's, uh, we got this from uh, YouTube, The Atheist Voice. And it was his, his, um, 
His, his, his video was entitled, Does Prayer Actually Help? Now, again, this is a guy who used to be a Christian and then walked away. Let's listen. One of the strangest transitions for me when I finally let go of my faith was that I stopped praying every night before I went to bed. It felt weird. Can compare to other aspects of religion, prayer actually doesn't seem too bad. I mean, it's just words. How harmful can it be? But that's kind of the point. They may not be harmful, but are they really helpful? The obvious answer is no. Just because you want something really badly and you ask God for it really nicely doesn't mean anything's going to happen. Because no one's really listening. There's a great saying, two hands working can do more than a thousand hands clasped in prayer. Okay, there's a lot to react to in that. And uh, first of all, we're going to be coming back to him a a few more times during the program. And I just want to just state right, right up front that... I've listened to and read a lot of things that atheists have said and and written. Mm -hmm. And this young man I particularly appreciated. How come? Because his attitude toward things was not condescending. It wasn't rude. It wasn't, you know, you're really stupid. Why don't you just wake up? It was, look, it just doesn't help. I can respect that. You know, now I'm, I'm... sad for the guy because I think he's missing out on a, on a tremendous value in his life. Mm-hmm. But but by the same token, I can respect it and appreciate the attitude with which the disagreement is put on the table. And that's what we really try to do all the time. Yes, you're right. Okay? Absolutely. So his point is, look, nobody's listening. Why bother? And it, it's another observation, of course, and I don't know anything about this part of it. But uh, with his life, he says, you know, the last thing he let go of was before he went to bed. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think about, okay, that's something that's kind of ritualistic in prayer. Sure. You know, okay. we, we, we yeah, kind of we're, 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 yeah. we're, we're sort of programmed to do that. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say the, the last thing I let go of was just praying in general. It was that particular thing, which makes me wonder, did he really experience what true prayer is supposed to be oh, by having a kind of a life uh, experience, mm. not just something you do like, okay, what do I do before I get to bed? I get out of my pajamas, I brush my teeth, I say my prayers and go to bed. Mm. You Interesting. Know, was it more than that? More just a, a, a wondering out loud, because okay. I certainly don't know. But what this does is this helps us to see what, what he talked about, this praying before I go to bed and you know asking God really nicely, because if you ask him really nicely, maybe he'll give you what you want. <laughs> Selfish. <laughs> but see, this helps us see that, that misconception about prayer. That is that prayer is all about me. Now, that can be disappointing if you hear that. Oh, what do you mean? It's not all about me. Yeah, well, that's well, what we're... not. <laughs> that's what we mean. Okay. <laughs> Scriptures clearly show us differently. In this particular psalm that we're going to be reading now, David is in the wilderness of, of Judah, and he's hiding from King Saul. So David is running for his life. He's spending nights in different caves because he's being hunted down. Let's listen to the type of prayer that David offers up while his life is literally being threatened day after day after day. Psalm 63, let's do uh, verses 1 through 8. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. 
My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary. To see your power and your glory. Because of your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Okay, now just, just pause there for a minute. Because David's not complaining to God. No, he's not. He's not asking for protection. No. He's not asking that King Saul would just grow up and leave him alone. He's, he's extolling the greatness of God in his life. And he's talking about his loving kindness. He's on the run for his life. How can you say loving kindness while you're on the run for your life? Because there's something more here. Let's, let's continue. My soul is satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praise with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And if you read further in the psalm, he then begins to get into some of his personal issues. But those first eight verses of this prayer are all about focusing on praising and extolling the greatness of God. Because he truly is worthy of that. Right. And, and to him, to David, on the run, hiding for his very life. What's the most important thing? To put God in that perspective in his own mind. And I think that is, it is a great, great example for us. And, and that brings us to one of several prayer observations uh, for our program today. So, Jonathan, what's this first prayer observation? True, deep, and life-changing prayer has or seeks godly perspective. So, David in terms of this particular prayer, is showing us he's seeking God's perspective. Because, you know, when you talk about the greatness of God inside your head and your heart, enough. It changes the way you look at what's happening in front of you. Exactly. And isn't that part of what prayer is supposed to do? So, folks, if you have thoughts on prayer, examples of prayer, prayer do's and prayer don'ts, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. And don't forget to get your free app for your smartphone. Go to Christian Questions Radio. And you can also message us on the program, and we can read your comments live on air. Yeah, and we love to hear from you, uh, whether it be on air or off. uh, Certainly uh, don't hesitate to, uh, to send us those messages. Interestingly, Jonathan, when you look at prayer, science actually shows us that the very act of praying can actually affect our brains. In a positive really? way. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. This by itself can be seen as a negative for those who do not believe. Because, you know, those who don't believe, you know, say, see, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a physiological thing. Hmm. And uh, let, let's actually go back to our atheist friend from the Atheist Voice. And he's going to discuss this as part of his conversation as to, you know, the, the uselessness of prayer in his own eyes. So if I'm sick, and I'm an atheist, and I pray really hard to get better, nothing's going to happen. But if I'm sick, and I'm religious, and I pray, believe it or not, sometimes you actually do get better. Studies have shown that. But it has everything to do with your mindset, and your willingness to get better, and nothing to do with God coming down from above and fixing things. The same thing applies if you're sick and religious, and you know people are praying for you. 
again, something might happen. You might actually get better because that happens when you know there are people out there who care for you and who might be able to give you strength that you might not otherwise have on your own. Again, though, has nothing to do with God. The real question is what happens with intercessory prayer. So what happens when you're sick and there are tons of people praying for you, but you don't know that they're praying for you? Does that make a difference? What if a million people are praying for you and you have no idea? And we'll get to that in the, in the next in the next segment. But you know, Jonathan, he, he's talking about the, the physiological results of prayer. And there are results. Yes. The very act of praying puts you, you on a better track. The idea that if you know other people are praying for you, it puts you on a better track. Even if they're, and this, look, we're Christian questions. Even if they're praying to a rock, the idea of prayer on your behalf helps you. Mm-hmm. And that's a physiological result of a study. So what, how does that fit into this whole conversation? We're going to develop that as we go through this because it's something to, to look at. So prayer, Jonathan, is a tool that requires several components to be effective. There are three basic points, and there's a lot more than these three basic points, but there's three points that we want to try and cover in our program this morning. Uh, first is privilege. Having your prayers go before God in a respectable and acceptable way. And that will be the first point we begin to talk about next segment. The second is process. What makes a prayer into a good prayer? Is it format? Sincerity, praise, posture. And the third point we want to discuss in this program is persistence. Is persistence vital in prayer? Does persistence go against God? We don't get the answer we want, so we keep asking, what if he said no? So, so privilege, process, and persistence. These three points are important, three aspects of prayer that we need to try and understand so we can use the tool the way it's supposed to be used. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, what should we be praying for? Coming up, how do we access the point of privilege? What does it take to be noticed? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today, what should we be praying for? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, at ChristianQuestions.com. It's a great tool. And especially after a program like last week, we Mm. talked about uh, does science show the existence of a creator. And the Rewind is so comprehensive. And it's so well done. And the, the illustrations just help you understand the things we were talking about. Because we got into some pretty deep things. Definitely. I'll tell you, they were over my head. I'll tell you that right now. It was a good thing we had a guest. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, so please, try, try out Seek Your Rewind, the full edition, if you haven't already. It's a free service. If you don't like it, you can opt out with the click of a button. Nobody's going to bother you. We just want you to have it as a tool. All right. So, Jonathan, we're talking about prayer. And at the end of the last segment, you, you said, okay, what do we, uh, how, how do we access privilege, the privilege of prayer? What does it take to be noticed by God? 
What does it take to be noticed by God? Privilege again, having your prayers go before God in a respectable and acceptable way. Our theme scripture that you had read at the beginning of the program is from the context of the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. Well, the Our Father prayer is viral in the Christian community. Sure. Few of us know the verses that are often ignored that precede the Lord's Prayer. The context. Yeah, you know that's my favorite thing. I do. <laughs> so let's go to the verses before and then get started with the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8 are the verses before. When you pray... You are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. So, Jesus is talking about the general subject of prayer. In his day and age. In his day and age, and he's saying, look... Here's what not to do. This is what he says first. Here's what not to do. When you look at these, and he says, he doesn't say when you look at these individuals. He says when you look at the hypocrites. So that's very, very strong and pointed language. It is. And today, Rick, you could substitute synagogues for the word church. And there could also be those that are insincere, praying so they can be heard, versus having value behind them. And so, so let's, let's make sure we understand that, because that, that's an important point. Public prayer is not unacceptable, but it's something to be wary of. Because in public prayer, are you praying the way you're praying to make a show? Mm. Are you praying to show your piety, to show your eloquence, to show the flowing of your speech? Or are you praying as a representative for those around you to talk to God Almighty? Yeah, big difference. And one way, you've got your reward because everybody looks and says, wow. (laughs) And you don't get it from God. You only get it from the people. (laughs) So we have to be careful how we present ourselves in that situation. It's not inappropriate to have public prayer. But when we get long-winded and poetic and all of these things for the sake of impressing, Pressing those around us, then we're off track. Exactly. Then we're absolutely off track. And that is abusing the privilege of prayer. Wow. Okay? So, so that's Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to the Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this is the exact opposite of what he had just said. He just gave an example of those he called hypocrites trying to impress the crowd and saying, but when you pray, where are you supposed to go? You're supposed to close your eyes, be quiet, be silent, and and focus on God himself. And don't do it so other people can know you're doing it. No. But be entirely humble about that. And and, and Jonathan, in in the last segment, when we read the the psalm, um, King David's approach, and how he, and this is before he was king, but uh, he's running for his life, and how he honored God. There's, when you truly honor God like that, there, there's great humility in that. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus is, is talking about here. Do it humbly. Don't do it as a spectacle. Right. Do it humbly. It's interesting. It says, you know, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray. Barnes, the commentator, um, has some interesting 
points about history uh, at that time within the Jewish culture. Enter into thy closet. Every Jewish house had a place for secret devotion. The roofs of their houses were flat, places for walking, conversation, and meditation in the cool of the evening. So every Jewish house had a place for secret, quiet devotion. And and there's something to be said for that. Mm -hmm. There's something to be said for finding a place or find in solitude by right, yourself right or or finding maybe you don't have a place then you find a place inside of your mind that can give you that same kind of solitude whether it be listening to certain kind of music or reading certain scriptures or something to put your mind in a place where you can find that solitude prayer is a privilege for the humble rick and that's the point prayer is a privilege prayer now, and, and folks Look, you, you might not you might not like this so much, but but I think that the scriptures bear this out. We're going to develop this as we go. Prayer is not an entitlement. It is so. It, everybody can anybody pray? Sure. Is everybody entitled to pray? Well, they can pray, but they're not going to be praying to God. Okay. What does it take to pray to God Almighty? That's what we want to discover. That's what we want to discuss in our in our conversation this morning. And there are guidelines for it. And if there weren't guidelines in the scriptures, we wouldn't tell you that there were guidelines because those are the ones that we're trying to go by. Mm-hmm. Trying to find them and trying to put them on the table so we can... So we can be in the right place exactly. before God. We want to know. Right. We, yes. you and I, yeah. need to know, just like everybody else exactly. needs to know. Okay, so we've got Matthew 6, verse 5, which was, was about you know this, this, this outward show. Matthew 6, verse 6, is about inward humility. Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So this is interesting. Interesting. They, uh, when you are praying, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So the idea, what Jesus is suggesting is, if you are trying to to talk God into something, you know, and you are just talking and talking and talking, what's happened is you've lost the idea of praying and praying because you're talking too much. So, Rick, does repeating, um, reading and repeating words back and forth, uh, say from a minister to a congregation, is there any value in that? See, now that's a tough one, because there can be, because it can help to put you into the right place. The danger, I think, and this is purely a Rick opinion, the, the danger, I think, in that situation is that we might use that as the end result, and not go further. And not go further. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. so, I, you know, there, there is value in repetition. I mean, think about teaching your child to pray. Okay. You know, you, you teach them, and you teach them to pray for the same things again and again, right? For mommy and daddy and grandma and grandpa. And, <laughs> and God's kingdom to come and yeah, all yeah. those th- sure. things. And, and th- that repetition is vital. But, but it's a starting place, right? Right. And then you teach them to pray for things that are on their own heart and mind. And that's the value. So the repetition can be good, but don't let the repetition be the end result. Okay. Because otherwise you've lost it. You've lost this incredible privilege in that. So it's really about needs and not about wants. It's really about our hearts and not about our eloquence. Prayer is really about our thoughts and not about our words. Mm. 
some of the strongest, most vital prayers we can ever utter don't necessarily have to have more than a couple of words. As long as sincerity is behind it. Right. Right. And as long as, long as we put it all in perspective, and the perspective we're going to really begin to get into when we go through the Lord's Prayer, which is coming up next. But this brings us to our second prayer observation for this program. Prayer's privilege can be found by anyone willing to truly put God first. That is the key to prayer. I think if there's one, one key to walk away with, I think that is it. It's got to be God first. It's not, God, I need this. It's God first. And when we have a need, we should bring our needs to God. Sure. We should bring our wants before God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But how do you do that so that he will hear them and you can get a good response? Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a voice of reason and a world that's lost its way. Keep in touch at ChristianQuestions.com. Want to mention John, uh, Johnson, I don't know. I've been working with you for 18 years. I've yeah, never Dutch called. has to call me Johnston. <laughs> <laughs> What happened to me? I don't know. Age is setting in, brother. Face the fact. Um, Jonathan, I just wanted to remind uh, our, our listeners that we are now doing podcasts live on Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern. So to get to that podcast, you go to ChristianQuestions.com. Go to our website. Uh, you click on the, the program page and then click Listen Live. Uh, Excellent. And, and, and there you have it. So we will actually be doing this broadcast of uh, what should we be praying for tomorrow night, Monday evening, from 8 to 10 Eastern. And if you couldn't be here for the whole thing, you want to hear it live, you want to be able to participate, but you're not in a position to do so now, tune in to the podcast, Monday night, 8 to 10, every Monday, 8 to 10 Eastern, uh, in the evening, ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live. Okay, let's get to the Lord's Prayer. Here is, perhaps, the best-known prayer among Christians. It is a prayer given as a model of how to pray. It's not a prayer given to, have to, to be obligated to pray it. To repeat over it's and over again. It's a model of how to pray. It's simple, it's focused, and it is eloquent. So, here we learn how to pray. Matthew 6, 9-13. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Very simple. So we're going to get to that prayer. We're going to break it down piece by piece. Let's first go to a soundbite. This time we're going to go to a Christian, not an, not an atheist. Okay. Uh, James uh, Houston at Biola University. He's talking about, uh, he's being interviewed about how to pray without ceasing. And he says some really, really, I think, poignant uh, points about what prayer should be. Well, I think uh, you might say that one's prayer life should be considered as one's spiritual fingerprints. In other words, prayer is a gift of a unique relationship you have with God that you have with no one else. And uh, one of the problems that I found in my earlier life when I was struggling to pray 
uh, was that the more books you read on prayer, the more certainty you'll have that you'll not pray. Because you're always trying to imitate what these great classics or these great uh, prayer warriors are doing. And so, no, prayer has to be your own gifted relationship with God, and it's not imitative. I really love the way he started this comment. Your prayers should, should be your fingerprints of your spiritual life because it's showing a unique relationship with God Almighty. And so how do you do that? The way to get those fingerprints to actually imprint is to make sure that our prayers are godly. And how do we do that? Well, let's take a look. Matthew 6, verse 9. This is, now, this is Jesus teaching us to pray. What's the first thing he teaches us? Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the first order of business of prayer, as Jesus teaches us a format, is what? It's recognize the privilege and glorify God our Father. That is the simple beginning of prayer. And folks, I think that sometimes we gloss over that because we're so tuned in to the things that we need or that are happening or the tragedies or the difficulties or the stresses and the strains that we say, Dear God Almighty, um, help me, 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 me. Right, me, right, me. right. You know, and, and we say, <sighs> and we say, God Almighty, that's good. But did we stop to think about, wait a minute, wait, wait, who am I now attempting to talk to? The creator of everything. And, and, and you know, let's go back to last week's program but just for a minute. I'll see if I can squeeze this in in the segment. Uh, you know, last week we were talking about the, 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 the creation of the universe. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, we were talking about the, the laws of physics and all of those kinds of things. Those laws exist within this universe. It's a physical universe. God exists outside of the physical universe. So we are... Attempting to talk to the being that did the creation that is not even inside the physical universe. Wow. That, so don't you think we should slow down and honor his greatness? And reverence him. And that can help us slow our own minds down. Just like David did in right. the Psalms. Exactly. Whoa. Exactly. His heart was poured out. Romans 8.15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption when we cry, Abba, Father. So our privilege, privilege lies in the realization that God is very approachable, just like a daddy should be to his child. Abba, Father. Abba, Daddy. But sometimes fear can stop us. It can because you're afraid to approach God. Right. And you think about that for a second and say, wait, 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 time out. What are you afraid of? Doesn't God already know? Whatever it is that's on your mind. Doesn't he, don't, you, don't you think that he already knows? Of course he does. So what we're doing, Jonathan, is we're making our fear God above God. Ooh. Because being afraid means that we are putting more value in the fear than we are in the Almighty Creator. Think about that one. Not good. Okay. Isaiah uh, 6, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Jehovah, thou art our Father. We are the clay, and thou art the potter. And we are all... All are the work of thy hand. And that is a great representation of how we should be looking at prayer. The privilege of prayer lies in the realization that God shapes us and our lives. We do not shape his will. He shapes us. And he, if we are praying properly, can shape our will. 
This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what should we be praying for? Coming up, what would keep us away from the privilege of prayer? What's yours? That's next. Listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today, what should we be praying for? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And if you'd like to write to us, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. So we're talking about the privilege of prayer, and it is, in fact, a privilege. And we need to learn about the privilege so we can position ourselves to be able to be granted that privilege. Because that privilege, by definition, privilege doesn't come to everyone. So how do you put yourself in a position to be able to get there? And, and Jonathan, I think the, the good news of the privilege is anyone who truly wants to speak to God Almighty can can get put themselves in a position of they, that privilege. They absolutely can. But people don't inherently have it. No. No, they don't. So we have to find a way to climb up to the level that is that that, that is acceptable. So first, I mean, what would you said at the end of the last segment? What would keep us from the privilege of prayer? And first, to, to answer that, first, it seems as though we're to have a godly perspective about God and about ourselves. We need to have a godly perspective. If we don't, that would keep us from the privilege of prayer. What's your perspective will determine where you are on the privilege meter. How's that? Sure. Okay. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with those who are with contrite and humble in spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. So he repeats a couple of times, I am with those who are humble and contrite. So humility and contriteness, contrite, being sorry for when you, you've done something wrong. Uh, these are, are, are necessary for the privilege of prayer. And they're not the only things, Rick. It's a good start, right? Right, right. So humility and really being contrite, broken, if you will, uh, when you've done something that is inappropriate. So that's a great place to start, Mm -hmm. a great foundation. Next, built built upon these, we need to be living in a manner that would be pleasing to God. Now, let's read... Well, let's go to a scripture that dictates that. But the point is, living in a manner that would be pleasing to yourself. Not not proper. Well, okay, wait, 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 wait. Living in a manner that would be pleasing to your friends. No, Rick. To your, your peer group. No. To the laws of the land. To God. That is part of gaining the privilege of prayer, is to attempt to live in a manner that is pleasing to him. Proverbs fifteen six through 9. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income 
of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge. Not so the minds of fools. Okay, so there's a there's a difference between righteous and wicked in this in this particular set of scriptures and proverbs. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright it is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves the one who pursues righteousness. So, in Scripture, we are shown that pursuing of righteousness is part of learning to live in a manner that would be pleasing to God. That's right. That's right. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect. We, we struggle, but our intent is to be pleasing to the Lord. Even the Apostle Paul struggled with it. Right, right, right. Yeah, he said, you know, the things I want to do. I don't. Yeah, so, so this, is a, this is a hard thing. Yeah. But here, here's the thing. Righteousness... In Scripture, it's not just being good. It's being godly good. Because we, in our world, look around and say, oh yeah, these people are being good. They're doing these things and they're being good. And they're living... But are they being good in terms of godly principles, not human principles? So you're in harmony with God so he can hear your prayers. Or you're trying to be. Okay. Because you just said it. We fall. Yes. We, we, we don't do everything the way we're supposed to. But that's what we need to be striving for. It's not good. And again, let's be blunt. It's not good enough for our prayer life to be vital if we're just being good. That's not good enough. What the scriptures are saying is you need to be striving to be godly good, not just good. Again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. And if you'd like to email us, you can email us at rick at christianquestions.com. So, does all of this mean that everyone who prays is not on equal footing before God? Yes. Okay, that's a hard statement. It is. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight to 29. The mind of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. So there is a very plain statement that it comes down to, again, righteous isn't just being good. Righteous is those striving to do good in, in terms of godliness. That's what we, what we. That's what will be heard. That is where privilege lies in terms of prayer. There's a great quote, Jonathan, from Soren. Oh boy, Kierkegaard. I'm sorry, I'm, sir. I'm, I'm glad you said up. it. Yeah, well, I, I didn't say it. I, I <laughs> butchered it, is what I did. Anyway, what's the quote? Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. If we can learn to. to that is a refrigerator comment. Oh, yeah. You've got to put that on a sticky note and stick it to the That's refrigerator. That's right. Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. If we can understand that, that is automatically putting us in the, in, in the perspective of putting God first. Mm-hmm. Because when we go to God with our request, are we saying, God, I need you to do this for me? Or are we saying, God, I need you to do this for me, but only if... You see it as the best thing for me. There's a big Big, difference difference between those. God actually explained 
the things that keep us away from him to Isaiah the prophet regarding Israel and their very, very horrifically idolatrous behavior in Isaiah 65. And this is pretty, pretty terrible stuff that we're going to read through. But these are the things that can keep us, the, the, the principles behind these things can keep us from God. Isaiah 65, 1 through 5. I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I. Here am I, to a nation which did not call on my name. Now, Israel was God's chosen people in the Old Testament. Yes. And they were, they had strayed away from his laws, his rules, his ways. And he's saying, I permitted myself to be sought by them, even though they really weren't looking for me. Right. They were looking for something else, but it wasn't me. And I put myself before them in spite of themselves. Now, this was not done in a happy way by God, as we'll see later on. So, seeking spirituality, or seeking higher power, or intervention, is not necessarily seeking God. Mm. Now, let's think about that. Because if you want to understand the privilege of prayer as defined in Scripture, then if you're just simply seeking to be spiritual, or you're seeking simply a higher power, it doesn't mean you're going to find God. No. Okay? What you need to do is to try to be godly good in terms of finding him. So let's go through what happened in these Isaiah scriptures. So we're in Isaiah 65, uh, now verses 2 and 3. I have spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people. And now he's going to describe what they do. Who walk in the way which is not good, following their own thoughts. A people who continually provoke me to my face, offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on bricks. Okay, so a people who continually provoke me to my face because they are praying and they're offering sacrifices, but these are not in accordance with godliness. And again, let's go to uh, commentator Gill on this. That sacrificeth in gardens to idols, as they were under green tree, or in groves, where idols were worshipped, upon bricks. When they made bricks, they put on them incense for idols, or upon tiles, upon the roofs of their houses, which were covered with tiles. So, he's, what he's, he's describing is... As you know, when they're talking about being in gardens, offering sacrifices in gardens, he's literally talking about pagan worship practices. From his own chosen people, From Israel. His, right. That's how far off they had gone. Wow. They were completely off track, and they were engaged in pagan ritualistic practices, which were seeking spirituality and seeking goodness. But not God. But not God or godly goodness. Mm. Big, big difference. Big difference. You know, this, this burning of incense was all about idolatry. And Jonathan, ours is a time of probably the greatest idolatry in the history of mankind. Today, here Today. and now. Yes, I believe so because it's really all about me. Everything in our lives is about me. And that means I have become God. Oh, and that, that the privilege of prayer goes south when we when we are doing that. It just it just it just cannot it cannot work. Uh, let's go to verse uh, verse four, where we, four. Verse four. I knew that. Verse four. Who sit among graves and spend the night in secret places? Who eat swine's flesh and the broth of the unclean meat is in their pots. All right. Let's go back to Gilligan to just not Gilligan but Gil <laughs> again. <laughs> In order to describe what that means. 
Okay, here we go. In order to practice necromancy, to consult the dead, were they imagined demons and departed spirits haunted, and of whom they fancied they might get knowledge of future things. Whole nights for the same purpose, which eat swine's flesh, forbidden by the law. And when you read that description of what they were doing back in the Old Testament times, where they imagined demons, departed spirits, haunted, of whom they fancied they might get to know, get knowledge of future things, look at today's movie industry, oh. and it directly reflects exactly that kind of thing. Spiritism. And, and we eat it up. Oh, and we sad. eat it up. And this is not a way to find God. Now, it's a way to say, acknowledge the spirit world, great! But it's not good, it's not godly, and it certainly isn't godly good. And so, in uh, verse 5 of, uh, of uh, um, Isaiah 65, who say, keep to yourselves, do not come near me, for I am holier than you. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. If you get smoke in your nostrils, it is irritating. And this is what God is saying. This is an irritation to me. This is not honoring me. This is exactly the opposite. Arrogance, idolatry, and false worship, all things that do not honor God. Uh, Jonathan, let's go back to the soundbite of the atheist voice. Remember he was talking about intercessory prayer. Does it work? Mm -hmm. Well, let's listen to what he says. That's kind of like the ultimate prayer test, isn't it? If all these people are praying for you to get better, and let's say they're not praying for the person next to you who has the exact same problem, and you got better, wouldn't that suggest that prayer had something to do with it? It's kind of like this ultimate science experiment. Well, guess what? They've done that experiment. They've done controlled experiments, at least as much as they could be controlled anyway, where some group of patients in a hospital are prayed for by strangers, and they don't know about it, and those same strangers do not pray for the control group. Guess what? There's no difference. Who would have thought? So look, prayer doesn't help. Unless you're the person praying and you genuinely believe it makes a difference, in which case you might get better, but that has nothing to do with God. There's nothing supernatural at play here. You know, and the other part of that, though, Jonathan, is his prayer does help. He said so earlier. He did. He said when you know others are praying for you, it really does help you. Anyway, we're almost out of time for this hour. Prayer observation for this section, Jonathan, is what? We cannot find God in places and things that take his glory and power for their own. All right. God will not be found in places and things that take his glory and his power and subvert it or camouflage it or, or, or put themselves in its place. That's not where you find God. That's not where the privilege of godly prayer exists. In the second hour, we're going to talk further about the, the, the elements of prayer, how to make it vital in your life, and how it can actually change the way you see your life, change the way you live your life, and yes, how you can actually see God's overrulings in your life as a result of it. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back again after the news and all that, but till then, what should we be praying for? Very important, don't go away, we'll be right back. Think about it. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. 
Mahatma Gandhi once said, Prayer is not asking. It is a longing of the soul. It is a daily admission of one's weakness. It is better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Well said. Welcome back. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And folks, this morning, our subject matter is, what should we be praying for? So, Jonathan, let's go over our theme scripture again. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to the Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, we are talking about prayer, how it works, and just as importantly, how it doesn't work. Because a lot of the conceptions about prayer... Uh, in, in, in our world, I think are misconceptions. You're right. We, we, we see it a certain way, but maybe it's not working the way we think it works because we've added a whole bunch of other things to it that really don't belong. So we're trying to break it down and kind of pull back and saying, okay, what do the scriptures tell us are the guidelines for prayer? Not, not what do I feel like or what do I think or what did so-and-so tell me or even what did I hear at church? But what do the scriptures tell us? I like how you, you talk about how prayer can be a tool for life. It really is a tool. And if you can learn to use this tool, it is a life-changing kind of a tool. And there, was, there are three points we're talking about this morning. The first, in the first hour, we talked about one, which is privilege. And what is that? Having your prayers go before God in a respectable and acceptable way. Respectable and and acceptable way, which means there are unacceptable ways that we can have our prayers go before and God. And being disrespectful also. So right. Be careful. Right. That's right. And, and really, that, that's the moral of the story so far, is really be careful. Take great care in the development of your prayer life. And there are three prayer observations from the first hour, Jonathan. What were they? True, deep, and life-changing prayer has or seeks godly perspective. And what's the second? Prayer's privilege can be found by anyone willing to truly put God first. And the third? We cannot find God in places and things that take his glory and power for their own. If we can make those observations realities in our lives, we can have a much better opportunity to really develop a fruitful prayer life. Uh, let's go to a soundbite. Uh, this is from ignitermedia.com, and it's talking about prayer. This is prayer, and they, they have some very, very good observations here. In many ways, prayer is a simple thing to do, but sometimes we can have a limited view of what prayer actually is. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is a means of supplication and making requests to God. It's just that prayer is also more than that. Prayer is both talking to God and having a relationship with Him. Prayer is making yourself available to God and allowing Him to make Himself available to you. Prayer is a way to ask God for provision for tomorrow and a means by which He provides the sustenance we need for today. So we pray not to get our own way, but rather we pray to align ourselves to God's will. We pray not for things that might create independence from God, but rather we pray as an expression of dependence upon God. If we can grasp those things, we pray not to get our own way, but to align ourselves with God's will. That is such a powerful use of the tool. It is. And if we are trying to pray to get our own way, 
then we are misusing the tool. And if you try to use a screwdriver to hammer in a nail, it's not going to work. <laughs> it won't work. Okay? It just is not. I've tried it. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not even going to ask you about that. <laughs> so you know, we talked about privilege in the first hour. What's the next point we want to discuss in this segment? Uh, prayer for the plan of God to unfold. Uh, oh, oh, process. Process, sorry. What makes a prayer into a good prayer? Is it format, sincerity, praise, posture? So what makes a prayer a good prayer? Uh, is, it, is it how you do it? Is it, is it the order of the things that you say? Is, is it about your heart? Is it about what you're doing, where you are? What makes a prayer a good prayer? prayer. Matthew 6.10, remember we started the Lord's Prayer and we're using it as a model, and in the first verse of the Lord's Prayer it was, honor God. Yes. Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the second order of business in this model prayer is what? Pray for the plan of God to unfold. That His is, kingdom. That is a really important thing. We're going to get to that in a moment, but Jonathan, first, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Uh, congratulations on your uh, podcast. Yes, thank you. Monday night. That's something you've been wanting to do, and uh, see, there's the answer to your prayer right there. You know, <laughs> and actually, you're right. You really are yes. right, so thank you for that. <laughs> And, uh, well, anyway, I'm going to miss uh, Sunday morning radio when you finally uh, uh, finish this uh, programming. Uh, you know, it's it's a challenge for me Sunday morning because, you know, I, I don't just uh, stay in my role, but i got to get ready. i got to go to Bible study and all that. Even though it's challenging, I've enjoyed all these years to uh, be part of your Bible study. Uh, what should we pray for? Okay, you have the model in Matthew 6. But I also like to refer to more specific uh, uh, Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. Remember what Solomon prayed for? He prayed for wisdom. Right. And God gave it to him. Here's a practical, uh, uh, I don't expect you to give me an answer here. Uh, I, I want to be brief. Uh, supposing you're, you're the chair chairperson in an, in an audience, you know, say 50, 100 people, mm-hmm. and uh, the blessing is to be asked upon the occasion. How do you pick what qualifications you use, you look for in a person to offer prayer to God? Oh, good question. No, and I'll say, I don't expect an answer from you. Good, because you're not going to get one. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting question, you know, how, how do you choose a person to to go before the Creator. Uh, yeah. So, uh, another thing to uh, quickly, uh, who's qualified to pray? I like John chapter 9, the Gospel of John chapter 9, verse 31. I won't read it. It just says that uh, God does not answer the prayers of sinners. That's our Lord Jesus speaking. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. But take care. And uh, you know, he brought up uh, se- several things. You know, wisdom. Solomon prayed for wisdom, and he did receive wisdom. He did. Solomon stopped praying for wisdom, and he lost it. Mm. 
Yes. So just because we think we arrived doesn't mean we stay where we got to. Good point. You know, and that's part of the tool of prayer. So thanks, Julius, for, for bringing that up. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good comments there. So, so Jonathan, let's ba- get back to focusing on the second order of business. Pray for the plan of God to unfold. Why should we do that? Because Jesus, in the model for prayer, told us to. He says, you honor God and say, then you say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, you know, prayer throughout the Bible is varied. The clearly specific list that we are looking at of do's and don'ts that we have thus far through the Lord's Prayer uh, is around is, is focused around seeking the true the, the true God, mm-hmm. okay, not a false God, right. and, and being humble, and now seeking God's will above all things and God's kingdom as well. So far, self hasn't come into the picture. No, <laughs> no, and we're more than halfway through the program. The kingdom, this kingdom with, that Jesus told us to pray for was made possible by Jesus only doing the will of his Father. And we see that evidenced in one of what I would call the Lord's Prayers. I think there are two prayers in Scripture that we, we should really look at as called the Lord's Prayers. Mm-hmm. One was, was in Gethsemane, and the other was John chapter 17. To me, those are the, the two prayers that give you a, a, a comprehensive look at the prayer life of Jesus. So let's look at the Gethsemane experience, Matthew 26. 37 to 44. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he went away a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. That shows you the deep humility of Jesus himself, saying, Father, this is what I want but what I want doesn't matter, really. It's what you want. And if there's no way <clears throat> to, to accommodate what I want, then your will be done. And he gloriously walked into the trial and the torture and the torment of his experience mm-hmm. because he was doing the will of the Father. Wow. That's why we pray for the kingdom, because he did that, because he didn't do what he wanted at that moment. He did what God wanted him to do. Amen. This kingdom that Jesus told us to pray for, that he paved the road for, must come by replacing the kingdoms of this world. It doesn't come by enhancing the kingdoms of this world. It doesn't come by making them better, by adding to them, by reorganizing them. It comes by replacing them. It doesn't have anything to do with politics. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's why we're a politically free zone here. That's right. Daniel 2.44. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. That's the kingdom we're supposed to pray for. And furthermore, that kingdom must come through the growth of Israel as a nation. You know, we talked about Israel was God's chosen people in the Old Testament. Right. They're still God's chosen people. Today. 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 This year, 2016. Yes, right here, right now, in this world. 
Jeremiah 23, 2-5. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who are tending my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away, and have not attained, attended to them. Behold, I am about to attend to you for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. Now, if we pause right there, we can see a dramatic fulfillment of that prophecy in our day. Absolutely. After World War II, what happened? Israel was again allowed to get back. Well, they were allowed before, but in, in mass, they began to go back to the land. Yes. And now they are a sovereign nation. And now they are a powerful sovereign nation. Mm-hmm. And they are a developed sovereign nation. So we see that prophecy plainly coming to fulfillment in our day right now. And so now more has got to come in terms of prophecy. I will also raise up shepherds. Over them, and they will tend them, and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. So we took a little bit of a detour to define parts of this kingdom that we're supposed to be praying for in terms of our prayer lives and how important it is to focus on God's will being done on earth because that's what Jesus told us to focus on and that's beyond us, Jonathan. It is. It is bigger than us but we should have it in our minds before we have our own needs and wants. Because it's it's a solution for mankind. Right. So what's our prayer observation from this statement of Jesus which says, your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The process of prayer calls upon us to have God's plan firmly fixed in our mind. So that's the point. We have to have it firmly fixed in our minds. So as we wrap up this segment, we, what we want to do is, is focus on the idea that there's a process. We have the privilege of prayer and now the process. Put God's will first. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, what should we be praying for? Coming up. So prayer is about praising God and seeking His will and His kingdom. But what about me? That's next. All right. You're listening to Christian Questions. When the world You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today, what should we be praying for? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And don't forget, you can listen to our podcast from your app. And uh, we found out there was some technical difficulties with that app where you need to refresh it because the app's been updated over time. Right. It was updated to accept listening to the podcast. Right. So unless you refresh the app, you're not going to be able to hear the podcast. So just do that, and then you can click Listen Live, and it's business as usual. Podcast every Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern. Please join us. So, Jonathan, you were worried about, what about me at the end of the last yeah. segment? Yeah, what about me? Okay, pray, praising God, seeking God's will in his kingdom, that's great. Mm-hmm. What about me? Well, 
Let's get back to this, this, this process of prayer again. What makes a prayer into a good prayer? Is it format? Is it in sincerity? Is it praise? Is it posture? Let's look at the next verse in Matthew chapter 6, the model for prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. That's what about you. Right there. Give us this day our daily bread. Did it say in the Rick translation, give us this day a Mercedes Benz? No, it didn't. <laughs> Give us this day a bigger house. No, it didn't. Give us this day a large and prosperous 401k plan. No, it didn't. It said, "Give us this day our daily bread." Did it say, "Give us this day our bread for the month?" No. It's talking about your immediate needs. That's what it's talking about. So the third order of business is what? Petitioning for basic needs. That is so what about us? Okay. It's working into that. You see how the perspective has got to be what's most important. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the brilliance. Praising God, seeking his will, and his kingdom. That's most important. Right. And then our basic needs. The brilliance of this prayer is, is just, is just it's, it's unbelievable. The process of our prayers when followed is truly built with success in mind in terms of praying. We begin with the privilege of approaching the Almighty God. And then we rehearse his will and his kingdom. That's what Jesus taught us to do. It's only now, after we've honored the Almighty God and rehearsed his will and his kingdom, it's only now that our minds can see our own needs with a clear vision, a vision that has just been reminded that God's got this. A vision that says it's now all about our needs and not our wants. He knows our needs before we even ask. Yes, and that's such an important thing. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when it says, Give us this day our daily bread, and then in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, Man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We can look at that as having two different meanings. It can be physical sustenance and spiritual sustenance. Mm. Nice. Okay, the Word of God is also our daily bread. bread. You got it. And, and you know, we think of Israel back in the wilderness when they were wandering, mm-hmm. and what did God do provide for them every morning? Manna from heaven. That was kind of like their daily bread, wasn't it? It was. So it was, in other words, help us to be focused on godly good rather than just being good. First Timothy 6, 8. If we have food and covering, with these we should be content. So... Again, another scripture talking to us about contentment and just having the basic things taken care of. The basic, basic things of life. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about prayer and how it works and what God looks for in a prayer that's acceptable to him. Our number is 866-985-4255, toll free, 866 866- 9854 all we are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central and that means we're on right now out from the dark ages and into the light of today join us 24/7 at christianquestions.com Jesus is generous about what we what may be before us if we would only ask he really is generous you know we're all we're we're, we're focusing on the difficulties of of making sure we put god first and the kingdom and basics but then Jesus says this in Matthew 7:7 7, 7 to 11 Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will he give a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, 
he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask of him? So, again, you know, we've been really sort of downplaying, you know, what we want. And then Jesus comes out with this bold statement. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. And that's all great stuff. And I, I like to end it, Rick, with if it be your will. Well, I think that not only do you like to end it that way, that is the absolute right way to end it. Because if we always truly add that addendum... Isn't that what Jesus did in the garden? That's exactly what he did. And if you want to learn to pray, pray along the lines of the, 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 the man who knew how to pray better than anybody, and that would have been Jesus himself. So knowing prayer's process, we also know that we can fall into godlessness in our own prayers. We talked we about can. in the first hour. Remember all that pagan stuff that was going on within Israel? Yes. Okay? And so James chapter 4 gives us the sort of the other side of the ask and you will receive picture because there's more to it than just asking for whatever you want. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. And there lies the, the issue. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. And Jonathan, you know, in a lot of churches, and again, we're probably going to step on some toes here, but we're trying to be entirely scriptural in our discussion of, of how prayer actually works. In some churches, I've, I've heard of instances where they say, you know, if there's something that you want in your life that will enhance your life and help to fulfill your life, what the, and I'm not sure what scriptural, uh, what text they get this from, but they, they say, you know, go and touch whatever it is that you are looking for, and what you touch, God will bring into your life. So they're encouraging those who are following along with this thinking to go and touch things. Okay, I want a bigger or better house, or I want my child to go to this school, or, or I, I want to be able to, to get a job at this company. What they're saying is, go touch the building. Go, 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 go physically touch, and that will, will, will bring it to you. And the problem is that we've taken the James scripture and we've forgotten it here. Because the key is not touch it so you can get it. The key is ask God if it's his will for you so he can bless you in the way that he sees best, whether I get it or not. Really? Because the answer could be yes, or it could be no, or right. it could be wait. Right. And that's the hardest one. That is. Okay, once you get no, okay, no is no. Right. But wait, oh, come on. <laughs> now, how long do I have to wait? You know? Uh, so, so it's really important to understand that, yes, we are to be focused on the will of God, period. That's the most important thing. And do we bring our, our desires before God? Absolutely. Do we bring our needs before God? Absolutely. But in the context of seeking His will. Let's go back to ignitermedia.com um, in terms of prayer development. And this was their, their YouTube video called This is Prayer. Yes, God loves to hear our prayers and requests. He listens to them. He delights in them. And he responds to them. It's just that prayer is also where we can confess our sins, praise his goodness, listen to his voice, and be reminded of truth. 
Prayer isn't just a way to ask for more fruit, but through prayer, we begin to bear more fruit. Prayer isn't just words spoken at specific times during the day. It's living with a mindset that allows God to transform you throughout all of your days. So don't think of prayer as just an activity done before meals or bedtime, but rather think of prayer as a way of life. That's such a great way to describe it. Prayer is a way of life. It's n- prayer is not merely an activity. It is a way to format your life. You know, when we were talking about process, Jonathan, before the program, we were talking about this process and the questions, is it the format of the prayer? Is it sincerity? Is it praise? Is it posture? And, and the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of value in all of that. Right. But but the, the thing is this. Does every prayer given brought before God have to be a prayer that where, where you are literally physically on your knees? No. no. We can't be on our knees all day long if we're to pray without ceasing. Right, right, right. So, so how do you execute that posture of humility? You do it within your mind. Mm-hmm. And, and you were talking to me about, uh, in, in, I know this is radio, but mm-hmm. you know, describe what you were saying about you know, listening to somebody pray in your presence you know, and, and how you're sitting. Oh, yeah. Well, say you're in, in a, a group of a Bible study and you're sitting back and you have your leg crossed and, and prayer's going on. That doesn't show the the reverence of your heart. So you're looking kind of matter of fact. Yeah, you're looking kind of lazy and and not focused. But the posture that I want, uh, you know, is is not for others to see, but it's to to feel right to approach God. So when we're sitting matter of factly, we're not small in our own minds. No, we're not. But if we even slightly bow your head you're becoming smaller in your mind. Yes, yes. And that is such an important part of the posture of prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, the format of prayer. Does every prayer have to honor and praise God first? No, actually it doesn't. If you are in the midst of a deep, deep, tremendous, harsh trial, you, sometimes you just... Help. God, <laughs> help me. Yes. I don't know what to do, or I don't know what to say, or I don't know how to act, and I am at a loss. I need you now. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. That's right. But if our prayer life has the praising of God and the honoring of God's will and plan. And the sincerity. And, and, and then the basic needs. Mm-hmm. If our prayer life has those things, and when those urgent prayers come up, Make them urgent. Yes. And come before God. There's, there's a great quote here from Charles Spurgeon on prayer. True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. The creator of the universe. It is a spiritual transaction. And to execute the transaction, it has to be done lawfully. And to do that transaction lawfully... Our hearts and our minds need to be focused on godliness in our lives. Not just goodness, godliness. And I can't stress that enough because that's what the scriptures mean when they talk about righteousness. They just don't talk about being nice. Righteousness is not nice in scripture. Wait, nice is good. Nice is good. (laughs) Nice is good, but nice is not righteous. Godliness is righteous. So we've got... The prayer, the Lord's Prayer, now you know, brought us to the point of give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 6.12 is what? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. All right. So the fourth order of business then? 
being forgiven and forgiving. Okay, the debts, the idea of debts is something owed, right? Right, right, a fault. Um, yeah. So, you ha- so in other words, we're faulty. We are. We are leaky vessels. We, you know, our best intentions don't always come through. Well, oftentimes don't come through. Most mm. of the time <laughs> don't come through. <laughs> so forgiveness is a big part of this, isn't it? Nothing works without forgiveness. We can forgive because we are forgiven. And that is so important. And again, Jonathan, we're going to be doing a program on forgiveness coming up in a few weeks. Nice. One of the things that happens to many of us is we say, we we ask God for forgiveness and we say, okay, I believe I'm forgiven. And then we don't live that forgiveness. That's a good point. So, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we're taking our old way and superseding the forgiveness of God with our own thinking because Mm. for some reason we have more, we put more credibility in our own thought than in God's forgiveness. Mm. And, you know, that's just not. We need that program. Good. Looking forward to it. (laughs) Coming in a few weeks. Ephesians 1 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So it's not because we're so good that we can be forgiven. No, not at all. It's because it's the redemption of the blood of Christ. It's through the riches of his grace. Matthew eighteen twenty one and 22. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how oft should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you, up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So the idea of having to forgive, you know, and, and, and the, here, that's the phrase. Do I have to forgive him? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when we say it, when we feel that way, oh, mm. but do I have to forgive him? We need to, 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 to pause and consider the heart behind that statement. Because if we want to live in a forgiven way, we need part of the way we show that. Part of the way we f- we reflect being forgiven is to be forgiving. Yes. And unless we are doing that, we're, we're going to miss the point. So one a, a prayer observation from this segment on the process of prayer. Our own needs and forgiveness are best viewed in the context of God's plan for all. And again, it always comes down to context. When we see everything about ourselves after we look at the greatness of God and God's plan and God's kingdom and God's will and our basic needs then the things that we have in our minds they are important and they need to be dealt with in a little bit more of a, a clear way this is Christian Questions I'm Jonathan here with Rick our subject is what should we be praying for coming up because God knows our thoughts should we limit our asking for something to just once that's next you're listening to Christian Questions you're listening to Christian Questions see videos, hear past shows and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com here's Rick and Jonathan Welcome back. Our subject for today, what should we be praying for? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And don't forget to go to ChristianQuestions.com and interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And, folks, about Facebook, you know, there's a lot of conversation on Facebook right now uh, based on our last program 
uh, does science show the existence of a creator? And the one thing we would ask you in the conversation, look, we don't mind the controversy of a subject, and, and that's part of this whole thing. But we would ask that your comments, if you are listening, uh, and we hope you are, uh, would maintain a respectfulness toward those who do, do see things differently. Even if they're not respectful toward you, doesn't mean that you should be disrespectful toward them. Just saying. Good point. All right. So let's get back to prayer. And now the third point of prayer. We went through the uh, privilege and the process of prayer. What's the third point? Persistence. And what is that? Is persistence vital in prayer? Does persistence go against God if we don't get the answer we want so we keep asking? What if he says no? All right. So where does persistence fit in prayer? And it does fit. It truly does fit. I mean, Jesus gave us an example of that. He asked God three times in, in the Garden did. of Gethsemane. He did indeed. All right. And the answer was no. Mm-hmm. All three times. Yes, it was. Okay. So why would Jesus ask three times if the answer is no? We'll get to that. All right. Matthew 6.13, this final verse of the example of the model prayer that uh, is known as the Lord's Prayer. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the fifth order of business in terms of prayer is what? Seeking God's overruling and protection. Persistence. Now, we have to understand how, why persistence is important in prayer. Persistence is not for the purpose of getting God's attention. It's for the purpose of focusing our attention on his overruling providence for his providence most often comes in unexpected ways. Yes, it does. So the persistence is not, God, are you listening? Will you please wake up? Did you remember? Did you forget? Right, I, I've right. been asking for this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it is to focus our attention on his overruling providence. To receive the answer. Whatever it might be. All right, that is an important, important part of the persistence of prayer. Second Peter 2.9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. He knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. The question is, as godly individuals, do we want to be rescued from temptation and do we offer up prayer of, 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 uh, of, of urgency under those circumstances? Good point. So, you know, he knows. He can help us. Are we willing to be helped? And, you know, sometimes, Jonathan, the help from God comes in a way that you may not even like. Mm. So true. So are you willing to take the lifeline, or are you going to be stubborn and say, well, it's not the color of the lifeline I wanted. Until <laughs> I get a blue one, I'm not taking it. Okay, <laughs> have it your way. <laughs> you know, so it really is important in terms of, of focus. Folks, if you have a thought, now would be the time, 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition at ChristianQuestions.com. Another scripture on persistence, Romans 12.12. 12. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Notice in the, that short verse how our hope and trials and prayer are all intertwined. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. So if we can rejoice in hope... You know, rejoice in what you look forward to, and you can persevere through the difficulties. How do you do that? Because you're devoted to prayer. Mm-hmm. Those three things all come together.
I want to go to a, a soundbite. Uh, this is a little bit of an unusual soundbite. It's from the movie called Evan Almighty. I never saw the movie, but uh, somebody sent me this soundbite, and it really it, it brings out an interesting point. You know, it's about um, some guy, I guess God tells him to build an ark, and he builds an ark in modern day. I don't know anything about the movie. Uh, Morgan Freeman plays God in this movie, and this guy's wife is talking to God, though she doesn't know it. And she's asking him, you know, I mean, she's troubled about her husband. And just listen, there's a perspective here. I mean, totally fictional kind of a thing, but there's a perspective here that I think is important. What is the story about the, the Ark? Well, I think it's a love story about believing in each other. You know, the animals showed up in pairs. They stood by each other, side by side, just like Noah and his family. Everybody entered the Ark. Side by side. But my husband says God told him to do it. What do you do with that? Sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does it give them opportunities to love each other? And, you know, the principle of how God answers prayer, I think is so, again, it's a, it's a kind of a silly movie if you ask me. And uh, is God going to ever tell somebody in this day and age to build an ark? No. Okay, let's just get that straight. <laughs> but the principle of when you pray for something, God doesn't necessarily give us what we pray for in terms of development, but he gives us opportunity for that development to actually have to go through the growing pains of maturity in our lives. And that is a vital and important part of understanding how prayer actually works. So when if you are praying to God for patience, and you know, I've been praying to God for patience for the last two years, and I just, I don't understand it. He hasn't given me patience yet. Well, maybe he's allowing you to pray for patience for two years so you can develop the patience. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You know, you've got to see outside of your, our, uh, 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 of your own way of seeing things and see that his overruling providence is way bigger than you can imagine. Great quote from Rick Warren. God is looking for people to use. And if you can be, get usable, he will wear you out. The most dangerous prayer you can pray is this. Use me. And I think that that's a wonderful, wonderful example of of being willing to be vulnerable to whatever it is that God has for you. And Jonathan, just a quick side note, a quick like personal experience along these lines. And in terms of the radio program, we've sure. been doing this for eighteen years, and over eighteen years there have been massive changes in the way we do things and what we need to do to prepare and all that kind of stuff. And every time a change came around. Personally, for me, it was something new that I had to learn and something extra that I had to learn to do. And it was th there were periods of great difficulty. But each time there was a change and there was a requirement, it led to something better, something that could glorify God on a bigger scale. And so recently I've begun to realize that as changes happen, what I need to be doing is – Seeing the changes and saying, instead of saying, okay, brace for it because I know it's coming, rather than that is to say, dear Lord, what is it that you want from me this time? 
and just let him show me what it is I have to grow into and say, I know it's from you. Let me just, and even if I don't like it and even if I think it's too much, let me just acquiesce to that and learn to grow up. And that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a wonderful personal uh, experience in, in the development of trying to be focused on the will of God and not poor little Rick's mental state. <laughs> so let's observe and learn from the humble petitioning, petitioning of two of God's very, very faithful Old Testament servants. We're going to first go to Daniel. Uh, Daniel uh, was born, well, I'm not, not was born, but he was in Babylon for years and years and prayed for the return of the, to Israel to their home. And, I mean, Daniel, I mean, we're talking 70 years of captivity, and he continually prayed for that. Let's just drop in on one of the recorded prayers of Daniel in relation to this. Listen to the humility behind this petition over and over to God. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications, and for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine in your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action for your sake only. O my God, do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name. So he is praying, representing his nation. And he's saying that, you know, we have fallen short. We have, uh, you are the great one, and we know that it's prophetic for us to be returned to our land. Oh, Lord, bring that to pass. Now, so Daniel's not praying for something that's sort of out of the blue. No, he's not. He's praying for something that was, there was an expectation for. Yes. And, but he's praying not as this great and powerful almighty leader uh, in terms of Israel inter- because he's got such a high position in Babylon. He's so humble here, Rick. Right. He is putting himself in the context of all of the others who have sinned and said, you know, we have fallen short of your glory. Bring to us, bring to us the fulfillment of this prophecy. And see, there's the petition. There's the re- repeating over and over. And he did it for years and years and years and years and years. And finally, when it came time to go back, he didn't. So, Mm. you know, but the prayer was answered in God's time, in God's way, and in honor of God's servant, Daniel, who prayed with such great humility. And to me, Jonathan, that, that encapsulates what it means to have humility in prayer. Let's go to another servant of God and their petitioning. This is Nehemiah. Now, he's a rarely spoken of servant of God. He was instrumental in the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. His prayers and his actions brought this most improbable task to fruition. He engineered rebuilding those walls. Listen to the humility of Nehemiah's prayer in Nehemiah 1, 4 through 7. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive to your eyes 
opened to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which have sinned against you. And I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. So, Nehemiah is, is, has heard the condition of the, the, wall, the walls uh, of, of Jerusalem. And he's, he's mourning and he's crying over this for days. It, it really has affected him. And in his prayer, he's saying, he's not just saying, Lord, what has happened here? You know, you need to fix that. This is your city. He's saying, we have sinned. And he's specific. I and my father's house have sinned. He is not putting himself outside of. Or blaming others. Right. He is a part of it. And he is petitioning. And he's working on it. And, and you know what happened with Nehemiah is that he worked on this. And he worked out a plan. And he had it all in writing. And when the opportunity came up and the king asked him, what is bothering you? He says, well, it's the walls of the city. He says, well, what do you need? He says, well, I just happen to have a list of things that I need here to fix them. And he had figured it all out. That's how intense he was about honoring God. It wasn't for his own benefit. It was to honor God. And the Lord's timing prevailed. And God's overruling happened in his life because of the petition. Our last prayer observation before we close, Jonathan. Persistence brings personal and lasting value to prayer. For it is through persistence that habits are developed and new habits build a new life. Persistence is an absolute key to prayer. But again, let's be clear on what we are persistent on. When we look at the examples, the great examples of great moving prayers in Scripture, what we see is individuals praying for God's will, God's way, God's timing, and individuals who see themselves in terms of their own humility, of their own brokenness, and the greatness of God. So they put it all in perspective, just like Jesus showed us how to do in the Lord's Prayer. Honor God first. Honor God's kingdom and God's will next. Honor the basic needs of your life and then seek forgiveness. Then we can put everything else in play. Folks, make sure your prayer life is well-rounded by seeking God's will first. It's not about being good. It's about being righteous, which is godly good. That separates us in our prayers. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back next week with another subject. But till then, pray without ceasing. Pray in a godly fashion. Until next week, think about it.